Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howell. Let's not waste any time and get right into it. Got a couple of newsy items to get to going down on the 40 this week. So we bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop sheet extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well, man. Enjoying playoffs. Got more Tiger Woods this weekend. So lots of stuff going on. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger Woods, yo. Awesome. And Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Don't have time to do the full-length intro, but he is a black card <laughs> member of DBU. Number 21 in your program. No morning, your hearts, Mr. Rod Baby. Always Rod. appreciated, brother. Rod, how are you this week, sir? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. So uh, Longhorn's got some good news coming. Or at least it's already happened. Got some good news, and, and that kind of ties into kind of both things I want to talk about this week. They tie in together. So let's go ahead and start with kind of the big news item of the week, uh, which is the not kind of it is the big news item of the week. The Juwan Mitchell commitment. Texas gets a linebacker commitment from Juwan Mitchell. He was set to be the number one ranked JUCO inside linebacker prospect in the country wow. in the class of twenty twenty. But that commitment is now for the class of 2019 Texas for the second time in this cycle, guys. They did it with, well, the cycle's closed, but they did it with Willie Tyler. Uh, they do it now with Jawan Mitchell, a guy that probably would have been really heavily recruited as a JUCO prospect this fall to enroll next winter. Texas gets them really a semester ahead of time. So both those guys will be here this summer. Uh, Jawan Mitchell, Rod, a couple of different ways he helps Texas. Number one, you needed help at inside linebacker. I think Todd Orlando's uh, how yeah how he's handling this quandary he's got with a lack of experience. They're just going to throw as many bodies as they can at the problem and see if they can get two or three of these guys to hit. And it also kind of it doesn't completely alleviate the the Gabriel Floyd situation because that's a guy that was a high ceiling prospect. But you're really killing. A couple different birds, more than two birds, with this one stone getting Jawan Mitchell. Impressive stone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you guys want yeah, bing, bing, bing. Get, like a double hop or something like that. Exactly. But no, no, I just think it's, like you said, you need bodies. Um, we know, I think, I think, and this is not like a, I'm not trying to insult the position. I do believe linebacker is probably right now among the least talented positions. And I say that without it sounding insulting. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, look at the well, safety position. Well, I mean, it's position. a devalued position. Look at position. the corner position. Look at the D line. It seems like those just have more talent. Especially you don't talk about defense. proven talent, then. I, I absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. I'm talking. About, maybe I should say proven commodities. And then also, it uh-huh. happens to be a position where you can. It's sort of been devalued, and you can sort of find guys that fit your niche. You don't necessarily have it as the playmaking role of the defense. Yeah, you just need to add more talent to, to up the competition level, and I think that's what he's doing. Jeffrey McCulloch, I heard, has had a great spring. Or had a great spring. Yeah. Love the way Joseph Asai looks. He looks like he's going to be more flexible, more vers- versatile uh, within that defensive scheme than I initially thought to. I thought he was going to be more of a guy you just run stuff or pass rusher. Uh, and like you said, you only need two or three guys. The truth is, they're going to in the Big 12. Yo, man, they're going to be playing nickel. They're going to be playing dime. Hell, they should probably even think about a quarters package with seven defensive backs on the field. They'll be playing a sub package 75% of the time. You just got to find two linebackers. Hell, probably more than that because, I mean, this is a base it, nickel defense. It's it, it, at well, the end it's of the a day. big nickel. Yeah. It's now a big nickel, like the official big nickel where you have three safeties on the field because of B.J. Foster's versatility, Caden Stearns, Brandon Jones. I mean, that's what Bill Belichick, I believe in Super Bowl 52, he plays big nickel against the Philadelphia Eagles uh, 84% of the time. Against Kansas City last year in the AFC title game, he plays big nickel, three safeties, 62% of the time. And the reason that's important is because you have to look at two offenses in the NFL that closely or at least resembled Big 12 philosophy of offense. It's probably Kansas City and Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The hybridized concepts they use. So Bill Belichick, the best defensive mind in the NFL, the way he's attacking, you know, Big 12 uh, offense and the, the different philosophy, the hybridized concepts, he's saying, I need more safeties on the field. Big nickel. The Chargers are putting 
seven DBs on the field. I think, you know, I, I think we saw Todd Orlando fall in love with the dime package, that quarter, uh, saw that lightning package yep. two years ago. We know the big nickel, as you pointed out, now the base. That's probably been the base, honestly, if you look back at his time here. And now with so much talent at safety now, he's talking about Chris Brown and DeMarvion Overshone and you got Foster and Jones and, and Stearns. Hell, I can't even name all the good safeties. You know, you might need to think about putting seven DBs on the field at a time. Just a package. Not saying it's a base, but just a package so that you can maximize all those safeties. It's Todd Orlando who said Chris Brown needs to see the field. I yeah. didn't say that. Yeah. He's saying that's how deep safety is. And when you talk about the being just say maybe the base package, and then when you're Texas and the new base package actually may accommodate your talent and allow you to put your best players on the field, it only makes more sense to align that way because you're not only fitting it to what's needed to defend the conference, but you're adding in maybe a reason to get your better young players and also your playmaking positions with the way that Texas brings the havoc from the defensive backs and then add on to it that you have a hole set maybe for from the most efficient area of talent on your team, you go to the JUCO ranks to get automated yeah. service. And it's exactly like, I mean, when I heard that, oh, well, number one inside linebacker commits, and I was like, that sounds like we got a Gary Johnson to replace a Gary Johnson. Like, that's what he was out of the JUCO ranks at that time. And then he ended up being this track athlete that we fit to the Big 12 perfectly and was a great fit. Now, you, whenever you have a glaring hole, you can go to the JUCO ranks, and then if you can be able to make it be your playmaker's stay on the field more so especially now that they're getting older you need to find a way to get them on the field and you see us recruiting more and more dbs also it's almost as if they're using this in the pitch be like no y'all see what we're doing we can get you a way to be on the field in this conference there, there's a couple things at play here rod that you touched on i think number one we know todd orlando doesn't want a deep linebacker rotation you know Good point. I, and, and him and tom herman both said when they got to texas and was it a knock on Charlie Strong? Maybe, but they talked about, hey, just because it's the fourth series, that doesn't mean the backup rover is going to go in this series. Yeah. You know, our yeah. best three inside linebackers are going to play. Good point. And they've done that the last couple of years, you know, and they've been able to manufacture depth and cross train guys in multiple positions. That's why in the middle of the 2017 season, you're able to say, you know what, we want Gary Johnson on the field, but he can only play rover right now. Yeah. It's the only position he can play. Well, let's go ahead and kick Malik Jefferson inside the Mac. Because he's cross-trained to both, and boom, it ends up working, and you've got good luck trying to get a ball to the outside with those two chasing Great. it down. Yeah. Uh, and you kind of did the same thing last year. Anthony Wheeler moves to Mac. You got Gary Johnson at Rover, and then you've got Jeffrey McCulloch, who really was your floater. He was a B-backer. He played some inside. He was kind of your, like I said, your floater guy. And he's going to be your most valuable linebacker now because of that versatility. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> we know he can play B-back and Rover. Yeah. He can play and all three. Like, yeah. Figure out what the Juco guy yeah. can do, and, and then he can work off him. What this point. does now, you do have, I feel better, I, I I don't know. I don't want to get carried away like you know last year when we we're talking about maybe Malcolm Roach playing inside linebacker. And I don't know <laughs> the three of us if any of us really bought that as a long term solution. Kirkland Kirkland solution. <laughs> Token Levon Always Kirkland awesome. reference on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but Nick I saw nineties football. I don't want to get carried away and say that's something you can hang your hat on. But after watching him do it in the spring, I feel better about the chances of if you wanted to have a two linebacker set and you need Joseph Osai on the field because oh, he's yes. one of your best eleven. No doubt. That situationally, you can work it to where, yeah, it can work if you've got Osai McCulloch on the field. But, Rod, as we know, there are going to be times where you're, you're going to need that Mac linebacker on the field. Mm -hmm. And right now, what Jawan Mitchell gives you is he gives you another body to compete with Delia Dayaway because you're just not leaving anything to chance with Todd Orlando. That, to me, is the big theme of this staff is whatever personnel decisions they face, they've made it to where they're not leaving a lot to chance. That's why yeah. they've got one spot left they can add in this class. That's why they're chasing Tavian Feaster. I, I chase running back, a, right? use that as a loose Clemson? term. Yeah, the Clemson yeah. grad transfer running back. Yeah, I saw that. Um, they've had some contact with him. We'll see where it goes. I mean, I, he's still got to graduate from Clemson, and he's still got decisions to yeah. make in hell. Everybody in the ACC and SEC is recruiting Tavian Feaster, so if Texas is going to jump in that mix officially, they're going to have it's not going to be like you know recruiting Trey Watson where you've got you know ah, we got a couple schools chasing even though LSU and Texas Tech it's some Power Fives. Yeah, you're going to have double digit number of teams yeah. that are interested yeah. in, in Tavian Feaster. And I love you got young running backs too here, and I wonder if that'll you know if because it, it, it's not a Guarantee that he's going to get a ton of reps here at running back. Like, we don't know how it's going to play right. out. Right, he would be he would be getting a ton of reps at Clemson, but you're just you're not going to slap Travis Etienne for that job right and, now. Yeah, and that's the problem. The that's the problem you want to have. And, and to your point, I, we got Russell give, Wilson it to Wisconsin. You got to give Tom Herman and his staff a ton of credit because you're right. They 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 have a great 
philosophy about plugging holes and dealing mm-hmm. with the deficiencies of, on the roster. Grad transferring you know JUCOs mean? that didn't even exist. Yeah, by almost by any means necessary. And they did it on the point. I think offensively that was his focus because I think they had more holes. Obviously the offensive identity crisis we were dealing with once they came on campus. Mm-hmm. But now you can see defensively, you know, they, they've applied the same mentality to the linebacker. Oh, we're weak there. Let's bring – got to bring in bodies. Linebacker bring in bodies. running back. Yeah, yeah. Right, it was the same thing. So, I, yeah, I'm with you on that. I don't feel – now I feel better about it, knowing that there is the the option of playing more safeties. That's one option that, you know, to try to deal with or counter your deficiency at linebacker. Well, number two, they're throwing more bodies at it because we have no – and let's talk about that for a second, too, with Juwan Mitchell. What's the skill set? I mean, the scouting breakdown. He ain't Gary Johnson. No. no. And we always naturally <laughs> now. No, you just see number one Juco linebacker, linebacker. Six. Well, he's, supposed to, he, he's the same frame almost, too. He's like 6'1", Caleb Johnson's got the same kind of frame. Yeah, yeah they're kind of the same frames as Gary Johnson, but they're not Gary Johnson. No, they're no, not you're track not, stars. You're not going to no. find a whole lot of 230-pound guys <laughs> that run 4'4", 4'3". So I think we I think we got to dispel that right now. Well, I, I've heard a lot of that. Like It's an automatic connection. Oh, man, like Gary Johnson. And I understand, yes, taking the same path. But he is no Gary. Yeah, because he wasn't recruited to Alabama by Saban and then went to yeah. JUCO. That's what Gary Johnson yeah. literally that was. A was. Track star coming out of high school that like, went nah. to be Saban's linebacker that yeah. had to go to Dutch. So, well, so what's the? No, actually, set? that it was the other way around. So Gary Johnson ends up going to JUCO and he's actually committed to Alabama. Alabama. It's just the SEC has some weird deal about they've got actually got really strict rules for JUCO transfers. I think to kind of <laughs> interesting. It, it's it's really yeah all the things to be strict about. Yeah, well, very SEC, bizarre. It's Really, you want to have well, it's really, about. it's really weird when you start looking at some of this stuff. Like, like it doesn't you know, make sense. <laughs> did you know, like K State as an undergrad, it's really hard to get into K State as an undergrad, but as a JUCO transfer, it's like you easy, need easy money. Makes it real easy. You hear about that? Yeah. So, but the SEC's got you've got to have so many core classes and okay. you know, so many credits and so many subjects. Stuff. So Gary Johnson, I think it was a math credit he was short or didn't have or something. He was missed. But anyway, the transcript didn't match up. But he could have gone anywhere else. That's why USC got involved and Ohio State kicked the tires mm-hmm. on him and several different schools. But yeah, no, had it not been for that credit issue, he'd be starting for Nick Saban. He would have started for Nick Saban. That's a Cal. With some was. of the injuries, yeah, yeah Alabama yeah. had. Well, so, we're gonna have these analysts now and going. He got drafted, by the way. <laughs> very he, much he for Nick, Nick probably. Saban. Oh, would have. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And not, I'm not saying hi, but he got somebody would be like, oh, he's a Nick Saban guy. Boom. Yeah, exactly. And the way we've seen Herman <laughs> be able to add these grad transfers or even go to the JUCO route, it's almost as if now you're gonna have these analysts looking over just admissions record and people's credits to see. Well, this guy, he's pretty good, and next year doesn't have big NFL prospects. He could be a grad transfer. You know, like yeah. That's, literally, those are niches. That are there. That's the areas to why exploit right now. That's why you've got a That's why you got a player personnel yeah. department. Yeah. And, and, and credit Derek Chang. Derek Chang has done a really good job. I know Brian Carrington gets a lot of credit and deservedly so. Derek Chang is, is the numbers guy. He's the guy that's going to mm-hmm. check out the transcripts and say, yeah. "Hey, this guy's got enough credits." Or nobody knows that this guy was actually a full qualifier out of high school. He doesn't need to get an associate. He could come here now. Yeah, he would so, be your in NFL. He'd be like your salary capologist. Yeah, be that yeah, in a room. Yeah, yeah, but now it's like, yeah, now it's transcripts and grades and GPAs. And How he's can I work this in our yeah. favor? Yeah. yeah, Derek Chang's done a really good job. Like Shoot I said, the Juwan Mitchell thing, Rod, it's yeah. the same thing they did with Willie Tyler. They took a guy that said, well, this guy's going to be really heavily recruited in the fall, but oh, we can get him right now. Yeah, why are we waiting? Yeah. yeah. Why do we want to compete oh, with everybody else once he's on like an open market, months. basically? No, it, let's go in right now early and, and get And him. the thing I like yeah. about these Juco guys, he's like, Tyler, Texas? Tyler and yeah. Mitchell, the thing I like about both of them, they're both four to play three guys. So they've got multiple crazy. Juco usually Juco. that's not the case, right? Juco usually is like, no, he's got to play now because I don't have a lot of it's time. Like a he's red got two shirt. years, but yeah, you're right. It's almost yes. Yeah, I was like, no, he's actually in this class. We're developing him for the future. And yeah. and Mitchell's a little bit different in that regard because you're going to need him to play right away, well, just because of the position. Well, and, and as you know, Rod, not just because of positioning, but linebackers and your bigger DBs, special those guys teams. are going to fill out your special teams. They're right. going to be your kickoff team guys, yeah. kick return, punt team, all that good stuff. Yeah, your linebackers and your safeties are going to by and large be most of the guys that. That, that fill out those teams. You don't have the numbers at running back really right now to devote because running back typically would be another position where those bigger yeah. skill guys. 
wonder if wide receiver randomly you'll have guys on special teams this year. Because you got so many damn athletes. good athletes. You know what I mean? Just yeah. freaks out there. Malcolm Williams. Remember we're seeing Malcolm Williams. Not the front line guys, of course. I'm talking about some of the back line guys who are not going to play. Like, man, those guys are fast. Like a guy like Jordan Pouncey? Like, yeah, go, let just, him, go let him be on the kickoff yeah, team. Yeah, they're just big and fast. I mean, that's, what, that's why your special team gets good, right? When your mm-hmm. roster just overall upgrades in talent. You have so many talented, fast athletes and freaks. It's like, no, no. Our punt team and our special teams, our gunners are amazing. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know who the hell they are. And you're like, who the hell is that dude? If you know, you like Shockey know- Brown was like our gunner. Like, that's when you're really good. When I was like, nah, that guy can be the gunner. Your basically, when he's not the starter. Uh, you know one I mean? of your teammates at Texas, Rob Marcus Wilkins, was a, oh, a special God. teams demon at Texas. He was. And ended up being one in the NFL. Was, I think eight years in the league playing mostly special teams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it was a Bill Bates in the modern NFL, which is almost impossible to do. <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. No, I'm feeling that. Just just because that's... of Derek Johnson and Everett Rose and Tyrone Jones, he just yeah. couldn't, couldn't, just couldn't get crack it. Field. A yeah. quick way to look across college football and be like, okay, who has the best 85-man roster? Teams with the best special teams. If you have uh, the best special teams, it's a quick way to look at it. But I'll that's that. why those Florida State teams of the 90s are like when Texas, y'all were in the 2000s, and like you had these units that felt like you could – like bust yeah. a touchdown on any play because you got, your players yeah. were so much better than you. Got six than or the, seven future NFL guys lined up across the kickoff just at different times. And it's it not there, because yeah. that yeah. you are putting your best players there. It's because your roster's so deep so that it's the only place your hungry badass players have a chance to go play. You're right. Don't sell yourself short, Rod. You were a hell of a special teams player back in the day. I was. I was good at the line. I was NFC a damn North gunner. Gun. Yeah. I was a. I was a hellified gunner, man. I was great. We'll go I back to two thousand one. You block a punt in the A and M game. Yeah. No, block yeah. And then uh, the, the following the game kick, against yeah. Colorado, you had the yeah. the worst fake punt, maybe other than the Colts <laughs> fake punt. That was the worst fake punt I think I've worst ever seen. Worst fake punt I've ever and the worst situ- and the worst timing of it. Yeah. <laughs> Weren't they up by like double digits or something? I think they were up eleven or twelve. Yeah. Up, yeah, I was up like two or three scores. Like, they did. Oh, oh, which team's gonna give it to them? <laughs> he decided to throw the fake punt. That was terrible. If I would have dropped, think about how hated that oh, man. Well, we lost the game anyway, so that didn't matter. Still so crazy. No, that's the craziest step. You, your, both your defensive touchdowns came and lost. That's so absurd. Sucks. It's like the teams are supposed to what, win. What you get an 80, 80% yes. chance to win when you score a defensive touchdown? You were 0 yeah. for 2. Yeah. That's Crazy. like, that's like Texas losing that game. Charlie's second year at Oklahoma State at home where he With had two, three, two non-offensive yes. touchdowns. Yeah. That's a, well, uh, Maryland. Holden yeah. Hill. Well, yeah. there was three Maryland, in and one. Did Holden Hill have two on his own? Yeah, I think there was three <sighs> in, in that Maryland game. In the Maryland game here that we love, there were, I think Holden Hill have a pick six? Yeah, he had two on himself. Like a, a block Oh, pick. the block PAT return. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> and we <laughs> lost. that game. How do you lose? That's, that's amazing. You really got to be that's you know, a telling doing sign bad yeah, to, to lose a game when you have a non-offensive touchdown. Like, it's hard or to multiple. lose those games. No, multiple. Multiple non-offensive touchdowns. You got to have some stuff go way wrong. Yeah. But here's the other thing I like about adding Jawan Mitchell, Rod, and this goes into grad transfers. Parker Braun factors into this discussion. Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Willie Tyler doesn't factor into it this player. year, but he's a guy clearly that if you're this staff has shown, look, if you're taking a guy, you're willing to expend a scholarship on him, you're planning on getting something. Really, only one of these kind of quick fixes that hasn't worked out was the Mikey Grandy situation with the concussions, which is Boy, that's not out of your control. a conversation for another yeah, day. You can't really, yeah. But when I look at adding the quick fixes and you're taking away, are you taking away a number from the class of 2020? Yes, and that's going to be a small class anyway. But I think this is Tom Herman looking at this window you've got with Sam Ellinger. You've got two years left. Ooh, and I think if you're Tom Herman, I, I don't know if he's thinking this, but I think he probably should, should be saying, I got two years left with Sam Ellinger. If we're going to win a championship, not that this is going to be your only shot, but this is a window we've got, got where, where, we, yeah. where we can win championships. This young man's got it. I think that's how Tom Herman's got to look yeah. at it. And if that means, hey, we've got to, if we've got to kind of rob Peter to pay Paul, so to say, we'll take away from the 2020 class to add a guy who can help us win Agreed. this year and next year, then we'll do it because this is a window where we've got a guy who can win us a champion. Well, just because he's so unique and, you know, and basically his ability to be a threat on the ground and through the air. You know what I mean? So, you, yeah. even so, yeah, the next guy is going to be good too, I'm sure. But Tom Herman is a guy who's coached championship level quarterbacks at a championship level. And he's probably saying to himself, man, it's really hard to stop this dude if we put him in the right situation. If I, if I can b- combine Larry Fedora's genius about, you know, the, the pace of the game. <laughs> 
game and how to utilize and master pace with the RPO concepts with the quarterback run game. Who's uh, was a uh, Andre Coleman? Coleman yeah. yeah, bringing him in. I, I, I'm with you. I think I think you are onto something. I think it's you look at some of the steps. He's like, no, no, no. It's like having a, a quarterback, a starting quarterback on a rookie contract, like the you know with the Rams and the Eagles, and you see these teams go, no, no, we got to go all in. This is the time to do it because after that, you know, we might lose this window. And I think Tom Herman's looking at it maybe like a window. Sam Ellinger's that special. He proved that last year that you should be thinking about a championship with him in the fold. Man, you know, yeah. may, maybe Casey Thompson's a guy down the road you can win with, or maybe it's Roshan Johnson or Hudson Carter. If Preston Stone, ends those are up unknowns being your, though, right yeah, now. Exactly, you know, Sam's you're going back to the enough. unknown. I, yeah, it's, it's one of those deals when you've got these windows in college football. Where you have a, you know, you have a proven commodity. Unless you're a program, unless you're a program like Alabama or Clemson, and really those are kind of the two exceptions. Without a a elite quarterback, it doesn't matter. It's just I think (laughs) Dabo Sweeney's now saying, okay, I got Trevor Lawrence two more years. What what can we? How how good can we make this? You know, how talented can we build this thing around him? And then Bama, we know they've won titles with Greg McElroy. No disrespect to Greg McElroy and Jack Coker and they're in a separate category. Can we agree with that? Like all of this stuff really doesn't even apply to Bama and Clemson right now. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't I don't think Ohio State's just in that category either, but Ohio State's right there. But you're right. Even Oklahoma, you know, they're like, we no. got Baker here. We got Kyler. Let's go all in. Let's try to win. Or you in their I mean? case, it's get, it's going to get the guy. Like, hey, yeah. we can't bank on it, – it's it's Lincoln Riley saying, look, we can't bank on Spencer Rattler maybe can't. being good. I don't want to put my eggs in that basket. Hell, let's go get Jalen Hurts for a year. Let's go get the guy yeah. we've seen win at a championship level yeah. already. Yeah, I agree. That, or, no, I'm with you on that. Same I, thing. I totally it's, it's Ryan Day saying, you know what, we can recruit a quarterback or we got Justin Fields who we might be able to get eligible right now. And that's what the quarterback transfer market ultimately has to come down to, right? Yeah. Is that nobody has patience because everybody believes – I got to get that guy, which is usually the quarterback, to make the biggest difference and to make the biggest impact. And if you're not Bama or Clemson, out to your point, you better be, you better find that guy and go all in, like yeah. quick, fast, in a hurry. Like that's your best chance. I don't, I don't know where you guys are, but just thinking about this Texas team, and I'm not trying to lower the bar for 2019 because I think this team can equal or better what they did last year. I think the pieces are there, Rod. I still think 2020 is the year that. Everybody listening to this, everybody needs to circle and say that is the year where you're thinking if they don't win the Big 12, if they're not in the playoff, it's probably a disappointment. I think you, I, I think you're right on the money. I think you, I agree with you. you. Hit the nail on the head. But Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, but. Longhorn fans have observed them being ahead of schedule. It's almost like now that Georgia game is mm-hmm. now a gift and a curse to you. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Longhorn fans are now like, oh, beat Georgia. Ten wins. And and he went from seven wins to ten wins. So if he had gotten to, you know, eight or nine, it'd be like, okay, we just, we're, we're revving up. We're on the right path. Now it's like, oh, we're yeah. there. We're back. Yep. So, which is great. I love it. I love the swagger. It's all good. But now the expectations are there. Yeah. So Longhorn fans already have them. So if you win nine games this year, Failure. you're not Oh yeah, you're not on schedule <laughs> anymore. You're behind. Because yeah. you won 10. You're supposed to go next and go beat Clemson or Bama and make it to the college football mm-hmm. playoff or win the Big 12. So honestly, if you lose more than two games next year, it's going to be considered by a lot of Longhorn fans a disappointment. You yeah. can't, if you, you lose to anybody other than Oklahoma or LSU, it's going to be a disappointment. And even if during you, those losses, yes, it'll be disappointing. If, if you don't at least go to the Big 12 title, it's going to be a disappointment. So yeah. that's what happens. Expectations, right? You can't go back to eight and five or nine and four. No, you can't go back now, brother. And it's I'm, I'm with you. It's unfortunate because. We know if there's going to be a game in there somewhere other than LSU or Oklahoma. They can play Oklahoma twice, by the way, mm-hmm. where they just, they're just going to be off. They're just going to have a bad game. You know, There's going to be some mm-hmm. crazy stuff happen, and they could lose that game. Maybe not. But the point is, Longhorn fans, I've talked to them. The expectations are sky high. Yeah. Sky high. And they should be. What That's what Texas is supposed to be. We're L- let's, let's start. Let's start with this is the bar <laughs> for Texas, right? Can you go win the opener? Because that's something they haven't done in the time. <laughs> yeah, that's go, a good one. We talk, they I talk about starting 1-0. and Can you really start 1-0? and Because you haven't done it yet. Go go start 1-0. I agree. And then go and focus we'll on LSU. about the rest of it. But I'm telling you, Rob, if, if they beat LSU at home, Man, you talk about high expectations. Oh yeah, they'll be a top. They'll probably end up being a top ten team at that point. Oh, yeah. I think they top five. Depend maybe? if Hell, they beat the LSU. Last time did, Texas did win an opener at home against a big team, we were almost a top ten team against Notre top, Dame. They'll be probably fifteen or and something. That fell apart. In there, right? We'll I don't, Rob, fifteen to thirteen I, to start. Yeah, for sure. I, higher, just to, higher than that. Probably. I think I think probably nine to twelve. Oh, you yeah, yeah, top ten. To start? I think that's in that nine okay. to twelve range. And if they beat LSU, depending on what that looks like, Rod, you could be talking about a team that if they're not in the top five, they're on the cut. 
cusp of it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think you, you you vault yourself into the top 10 after you beat LSU. Um, you know what I mean? I, listen, I, I think Texas next year versus LSU, first of all, that's going to be the biggest home game in, in, in Texas football history. Yeah. I'm sorry, in terms of compat- the crowd and everything, the attendance, because it's going to be bigger than Notre Dame. Way big because no damn people gotta fly. They gotta travel. It's Dude, gonna be it's those gonna be hard. People they go. They, they already live here, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they're just gonna drive right on over. It's gonna be so many LSU fans in this town. You have never seen as many fans as you're gonna see for any game. I'm talking about even Big Twelve games, even any home game for Texas as you're gonna see. When I think that people that, that Ohio State Austin. that Ohio State game in 2006 where it was one two. They're gonna beat them out, though. because they right next door. Yep. Oh, how people, they got to fly, make plans. Dude, these people are going to get drunk and drive right over. <laughs> First of all, they're going to drive, then get drunk. <laughs> but, they, dude, they coming right over. They, yep. so, even the poor, no, I, even the poor swamp uh, yeah. people, only those rich people can fly from Ohio State. Only the people going down to the game. Dude, these poor people who live in shotgun houses who are LSU fans, they driving right on over. And they don't want to go to the game. Exactly. They just want to party. Point. That's what they do. Exactly. They, they, don't, they haven't been to Austin that much. They're going to come here to party. Just dude, to they're tell going you. to invade this town unlike any fan base we've ever seen. Agree fully, because I remember... the biggest game of the season, yeah. arguably, for Texas <laughs> and maybe even for them, just because it's outside the conference, and they're not... They're, they're, they're tired of playing Bama and Autumn every year, man. They like playing... Well, Austin's you know, a vacation. Austin's it's vacation. Close. I know there were, some, there were some LSU fans that the last... The, the times where LSU's played in College Station, they've stayed in Austin and made the drive. Dude, <laughs> I'm <laughs> telling you, man. Because when Ohio State, like he said, when Ohio, that Ohio State, those fans were rabid, and they were crazy here, but those were the ones that were coming here just for the game. LSU does have a yeah. lot of fans ingrained throughout Texas, so this will be like a weekend, like partying, like ACL oh, type. But my it's family's football. coming down, and they ain't going to the game. They're just coming. Yeah. I was like, "What y'all coming for, man? We want to come down the game. It's gonna be awesome. Tailgate they, they gonna do. It's gonna be crazy. Fish and jambalaya. It's gonna be crazy." No other fan base, I think, is going to. The Aggies, probably, you probably, maybe that could continue with it. Think about yeah. the old Aggies when the Longhorns would play the Aggies back in the day. See, back in the day, like it was 20 years ago, right? And then how the Aggies would invade Austin because they're all among us. That'll be the closest thing you can probably get to it in Austin mm-hmm. because the yeah. Aggies are so comfortable here. Dude, them swamp people are going to come in and they're going to invade this town. It'll be interesting. You ain't going to be understanding what half of them are saying. They'll be speaking Creole. Nah, go man, go man. Actually, they, I bet, though, they will be the funner type to tailgate oh, no, with. Be well, but because it's certain be fan bases, like it's a fist fight when you're interacting. This one, they're going to come and want to just have a great they, time. Yeah, so it's going to be a hellaciously be wild yeah. atmosphere down there, though. I agree. Tell me it's going to be great. They're going to break the attendance records. <laughs> yeah. No, they easily break the attendance records. I agree. Yeah. Uh, even though you'll have that construction going on with the, uh, with the south end zone. Yeah. Groundbreaking. But that's true. Still, Good point. Yeah. I forgot about that. I didn't think about that. That was Well, I don't I don't know what that's gonna do to attendance because I think the students will move around, so I, I don't know. It won't I mean it won't affect attendance. Not for the LSU game, yeah. but for other games they may. <laughs> well, just in terms of the number, like you might not oh, actually be able right. to you physically may cut off ten thousand or something. As many gotcha. people as you otherwise would. I don't know what construction's gonna I didn't do. Think about but right. it'll be a hundred percent capacity. In terms Good of at, in terms of atmosphere, I don't there's not gonna be anything I think that that's gonna, gonna be touch crazy. that. I mean USC last year was special, Notre Dame. A few years ago was really yeah, good. They're but. right, but then one, either one of them wasn't good. Like we weren't good, mm-hmm. or either they weren't that good. Yeah. Now, and I know Notre Dame was so early that you really couldn't tell. Mm. But I think the expectations for both LSU and Texas are up this year. This is a game that I think both fan bases look at and say, "Hey, if we win this one." Then we feel like yeah. we, we could we could we could play in the college football playoff potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm with you. I think it's it's gonna be a big game, man. Because big for game. Texas, you assume. It maybe if you lose to Oklahoma or whatever, then at least you've got that non-conference win over LSU under your belt. And yeah. likewise, if you're LSU, when you start, because usually in the SEC you're going to lose a game somewhere, lose a and you start, you start yeah. comparing resumes and say, hey, we went to Austin and beat Texas. And beat Texas. No, it's, so, yeah, you. I mean, all the way around, it, it works for yeah. everybody. And we know Tom Herman as an underdog, which I've heard he's going to be a big underdog in the LSU game. I think Texas is supposed to be a seven-point underdog from what I've seen. I don't know, Matt. If you see, that's what Brett up. McMurphy tweeted out. I'll look like, yeah, up there's been some, some early, early and I was lines like, for that. Oh, Oh, man, that's a that's crazy. Um, so I think it'll probably be closer to three or four. You know, it, LSU you will be a favorite, but man, Tom Herman is an underdog. Hell, I'd bet on that. I mean, yeah, he's really good at the, as a as an underdog. All right, time for our first break on this week's show. But when we come back, we'll keep the Texas football talk going with a conversation geared around Sam Ellinger. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns twenty four seven dot com. Blue Star medicated ointment works fast to relieve the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. It's amazing. It's like as soon as you put it on, you can feel it working. We've had Blue Star in the family for years. It works on everything. I love the cooling sensation on my athlete's foot. 
What a relief for my eczema. Nothing worked on my dry crack skin until I tried Blue Star. Blue Star is great for scalp itch. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 1717. That's promo code 1717 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. Hey, Dad, want to shoot some hoops? In a bit, buddy. I promise. Allegra knows that allergy symptoms can get in the way of enjoying the moment. I'll just play by myself. For outdoor and indoor allergies, get Allegra. It's the fastest non-drowsy allergy relief. It starts working in one hour, helping you break through your worst allergy symptoms with continuous 24-hour relief. Yes! Great shot, buddy. Let's play another game. You're on, Dad. Get Allegra and get back to the moment. Among single-ingredient OTC-branded oral antihistamines. Use as directed. And now, a quick comparison from Grasshopper. When picking a phone number for business, what sounds more professional? Your personal number? Uh, hold on, let me give you my cell. And uh, actually, let me get yours too, just so I don't ignore your call, you know? Or a dedicated business number, courtesy of Grasshopper. It was a pleasure meeting you. Our number is 1-833-IT-TROOP. Give us a call anytime. There's no contest. Put your best voice forward with Grasshopper, the virtual phone system for small business. Try it free at grasshopper.com. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on homeowner's insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you have a cute little reading nook for those rainy days when you want to curl up with a good book, but you don't even read, so you just sit in there during thunderstorms and scroll through memes on your phone and laugh in the darkness. <laughs> the GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the dark, meme-filled corner you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowner's insurance. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Once again, Jeff Howe. So we talked about Jawan Mitchell and the impact as it relates to Sam Ellinger and this window Texas has to to really win a championship with Sam Ellinger and bank and you know bank on this bank on this opportunity you've got now that that you've got a franchise quarterback and a couple things that that I want to touch on before we get out of here. Right, I crunched some numbers and I've got an article on the site right now. I just kind of started thinking like is. Is Sam Ellinger the best quarterback Texas has had this decade? I think the eye oh, test would decade. tell you yes. Yeah, since Cole McCoy, for sure. Yeah, Cole McCoy. <laughs> yeah. No but, question. I, but I started looking at – I just started going through the – I just wanted to go through the numbers and see, okay, kind of where where does he rank? Um, do you realize he's already got the second most wins of any Texas quarterback in this decade? Yes. Only David Ashley's won more games? <laughs> Well, did you realize that? Straight ass homie. Yeah. If you would ask me that, I would be like, I don't know. I guess so. Like, yeah, it's totally, yo, but you're right. No, continue with the numbers. I want to hear these numbers. But David Ash in 22 starts is 15 and 7. Sam Ellinger in 20 starts, 12 and 8. And and I looked at it further and say, okay, you can take a couple of Ellinger starts, at least the Baylor start, and and maybe give it to Shane Bouchelle. But on the flip side, Shane Bouchelle's got 10 wins, two of those, the West Virginia game in 17 and the Mm -hmm. Bowl game. You can technically give those to Sam Ellinger, so it all kind of washes out okay. uh, in the end. Um, I just went and looked at kind of did win percentage in a couple of different things. So Sam Ellinger trails only David Ash uh, in terms of wins, and his win percentage trails only David Ash. And games quarterbacks played in, uh, David Ash and Garrett Gilbert, which Garrett Gilbert had played in 10 games in 2009, mm, so I don't know yeah. if that counts. Um, only David Ash and Garrett Gilbert have a higher win percentage in games they played in than Ellinger's, uh, which is 652. I went and looked. At, I started looking at accuracy because I'm a firm believer in Mike Leach's stance that accuracy can't is probably the it. number one trait you need in a quarterback. You can't, can't teach, teach it. it. Nope. Uh, Ellinger has a career completion percentage already of 61.9. By the way, attempted more passes than any Texas quarterback in this decade. That's that. 700 passes. David Ash is next uh, with 612. So Sam Ellinger 61.9. Only David Ash at 62.9. So really one percentage point better than Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle at 62.2. So you're talking about tens of points to separate him from Sam Ellinger are the only pass uh completion percentages that are better this decade. Ash has six hundred and twelve pass attempts, Bouchelle's at six forty eight. And then you get the other passer completion percentages, Case McCoy fifty nine point eight, Gerard Hurt fifty seven point nine, Garrett Gilbert fifty six point seven mm. and fifty six point three uh for Tyrone Swoops. I went and looked at yards per attempt 
Uh, only David Ash is better than Sam Ellinger. Sam Ellinger, 7.44. Uh, and David Ash, uh, actually, Gerard Hurd has a better uh, career pass yards per attempt, uh, 7.64. But that was that 2015 offense where it's like, I remember run, that. run, run. They would chunk it deep. Chunk it deep, yeah. Yeah, to John yeah. Burt. Uh, so yards per completion, uh, only Gerard Hurd, 13.2. And I only used Gerard Hurd's 2015 numbers. I didn't use anything else mm-hmm. other than that. And it's a relatively small sample. Uh, yards per completion, Gerard Hurd, 13.2. And David Ash, 12.28 are better than Sam Ellinger at 12.03. Adjusted pass yards per attempt, though, that's where – you get more credit for positive plays. It yeah. deducts for negative plays. Yeah, they like drops or not in right. or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, David Ash, 7.4. Adjusted pass yards per attempt. Sam Ellinger, 7.1. Shane Bouchelle's third to 7.0. Gerard Hurd drops all the way to 6.8. Passer rating, again, only David Ash is better than Sam Ellinger in this decade, but it's percentage points we're talking about. Uh, David Ash, 138.6. Sam Ellinger, 137.9. Rod, here is where Sam Ellinger really separates himself uh, from the rest of the pack. You're talking about touchdowns Turn and up. turnovers. Yeah, touch, yep. uh, no quarterback in this decade uh, has accounted for as many touchdowns as Sam Ellinger already has. He's already accounted in his career for 54 touchdowns. The next closest, believe it or not, and you got to do some thinking about this, is Tyrone Swoops with 41. Ah, oh, yeah, because but you got the 24 yeah, rushing Willa. touchdowns. right? Willa, yeah, no doubt. That makes sense. So that, Ellinger took that rollover. So yeah. I went and looked at these numbers, too. Right, I looked at plays per touchdown. How many touchdowns? How many plays does it take you to score? Sam Ellinger's touchdown rate, 18.1 plays per touchdown. Number two is Tyrone Swoops, yeah. 18.4 plays per touchdown. That makes sense. And then you're looking at Case McCoy, 22.8. Shane Bouchel at 24. So there's a significant gap there. Pass attempts per touchdowns. Sam Ellinger, it's not even close, 19.4 pass attempts per touchdown. Uh, Tyrone Swoops is the only quarterback with a better rate of rushing attempts per touchdown. Tyrone Swoops at 10.7. But Ellinger, at 15.4 and believe it or not number three on that list Garrett Gilbert 17, 19.7 rushing Garrett attempts Gilbert. per touchdown right. interceptions Sam Ellinger 12 interceptions uh, the Brandon the next closest is you know swoops with 13 Bouchelle with 16 but pass attempts per interception Rod Sam Ellinger because of that 308 consecutive pass mm-hmm. attempts without interception helps this 58.3 pass attempts per interception wow. the next closest is Shane Bouchelle at 40 and a half pass attempts per interception Man, so Sam Those Ellinger. two are the most efficient and not turning it over in the right. back up in your starter. So Sam Ellinger, That's more crazy. than any Texas quarterback in this decade, doing a far superior job than anybody else at getting you in the end zone and taking care of the ball. The yeah, two it, things you ask a quarterback to do more than anything else. Get me in the end zone, don't turn it over. If I could ask anything, if I could if I could try to try to project or wish for anything to him to improve on, it would be completion percentage to go up a few points. That's when This is when Cole McCoy, who was a naturally a gifted passer in terms of accuracy. We all knew that naturally. But you remember his sophomore to that junior, junior yeah. year, he started to make that leap. His arm strength randomly got he got, he got stronger. That was the he best was leap I've football, ever seen from a Texas right? quarterback. He was pushing a football downfield more, but he was so accurate. Like, he was beef sticks. Freakishly accurate. Now he did have what is basically the greatest bromance arguably in the history of college football between a wide receiver and a quarterback, mm-hmm. With his best friend Jordan Shipley throwing the football to, so it's like the, the the basically the equivalent of the notebook on a football field. We all got a chance to watch, but that's what I want to see. I want to see. I think his arm strength is is great. Anyway, I mean, I've yeah. seen him push the ball, but that accuracy, like that pass he threw in the spring game to Jordan Whittington, where Joseph Osai was on the coverage, the wheel route, and we all agree, like, damn, that's exactly where it needs to be. Jordan Whittington can come up to the catch, but that's where that ball needs to be. Outside shoulder, right, drop down in the bucket. So maybe the completion percentage goes up around I don't know two and a half points, maybe. Gets around sixty three percent, and I think that's what I want. For you know who was a lot like Sam Ellinger early in his career? Oh, Chris Sims was. And, and think about early in Chris Sims' career, arm. not only but Chris Sims had the howitzer and he would try to force he, it in man, places where he had no business forcing arm. it. But Chris Sims missed a lot of deep balls early in his career. Yeah, As his career progressed, he became a much better deep ball thrower. Rod also looked at the run game. Only Tyrone Swoops has more rushing yards from the quarterback position in this decade than Sam Ellinger. Swoops at nine sixty six. Ellinger eight sixty seven. Uh, Sam Ellinger's actually carried the ball more than any Texas quarterback this decade. Swoops is number two at 256. Ellinger I can see that. at 278. Yeah. So really, Rod, what these numbers telling is Sam Ellinger really, in terms of the statistics, he's kind of the best parts of David Ash and Tyrone Swoops. Mm-hmm. He's he's the pa- he's the passer, the best parts of David Ash as a passer in terms of just the completion percentage and, and all that stuff, but he does a better job at protecting the football and he's scoring more because he brings you that physical element of a quarterback run game in a true dual threat in the sense that you can 
can design a run game around his skill set mm-hmm. as a quarterback. And really, when you start looking at just the total package, he's kind of the best parts of every quarterback Texas has had this decade, right? Like he he's got that leadership Colin that like Shane Bouchelle and yep. Gerard Hurd had to make to let guys follow you. But he's got that kind of bravado. I agree with that almost that irrational confidence sometimes mm-hmm. that Case McCoy had. But then he can <laughs> make, make he yeah. can make plays the way David Ash did. But he can be a run threat, a, a goal line red zone threat. We call him the best goal line red zone weapon maybe in the country. I think he is. The way Tyrone Swoops was. So really, it's kind of parts of all these guys. Like when you say, man, if you could take Case McCoy and give him this or take Tyrone Swoops and give him this, mm-hmm. you basically got that with Sam Ellinger, Rod. Yeah. No, I agree. I, it, and you said, and we've talked and about this before. And it's even expedited. Well, even his personality, right? We've said, you know, he's strange because he's got more VY in him as a personality, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can never see You don't it. see it, but yeah, the swagger. The swagger. Like, yeah. who, who would go up on a we're stage? Back. Even Chris Sims, if he was that good, I don't know if he would go. No. He had plenty of swagger. would go up on a stage and go, we're back. I mean, that was VY. That was quintessential VY. He had so much confidence. He had confidence to spare, in my uh-huh. opinion. That's the definition of swagger. And and I think Sam, that's Sam, too. And we talk about that it quality all the time, right? And all those quarterbacks you went through in the last decade. And we all knew within watching him in the first, Gerard Hurd was the only one I think we were maybe we unsure about. Yeah. We were like, hey, maybe he's got it. I'm not sure. Maybe he does. Well, you maybe knew you had that, that athleticism. Like, oh, the Cal game. Right? Yeah, playmaking. Oh, no. And I think with Sam, it was it didn't take long at all. It was almost like the first time you saw him play an entire game versus a big opponent like USC. You went, okay, okay, I'm ready. Yeah. He, 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 just give him a little time. He, he's got it. He's got whatever it is. I don't know what the hell it is. That was his it. Ohio State, like Colt McCoy, like when you have your very first game be such a big pressure situation that going forward from there, you know, especially the fact that you end up losing and you stay hungry, but then you end up having like a guy like Colt, his career, we talk about it really blossoming going into year three or four after the red shirt. And nowadays we're like, yo, you don't have that much time. Your quarterback has to come in and play. And that's sort of another thing Texas fans had wanted, had not got a quarterback to show up and be ready as a freshman. That's what Sam was. So he even fits that if you want to add another box and being ready immediately early. And that allows you to now, he still has another year or two left on the back end where you're like, oh, you see all those numbers in the company you're keeping and you have this skill set and it's basically like a cyborg of all the parts that you want from a quarterback that he's possessed. So now it's just down to building the hype. And he even with the swagger built the hype before last or the end of last season. But you know, Matt, you were talking about Colt and I think what it kind of reminds me of is a little bit of a different time in their careers. But you know, like last year we were talking about is it going to be a quarterback competition? I think Sam's freshman year, it was more so even early, we were in here saying, well, you really hope he doesn't have to play. Maybe you can hold off mm-hmm. as long as you possibly can until you have to play him. It just so happened that you know, Shane Bouchelle got a shoulder injury against Maryland. You needed him week two. But uh, it was really Sam's going into last year, similar to Colt McCoy's redshirt freshman year, where we're like, it's a competition, but, but it's not really a competition. No, exactly. The Jed and Sneed stuff was a little bit of a competition, but at the time, like at least that sort of naturally worked itself out. This one was Sam sort of took it on the front end. Yeah, and I, re- I remember Tim Crowder telling us when you know they met, some of the seniors met with Mac. Maybe it was a Big Twelve media days, or it was before that season. And Mac's anxious to hear about quarterback and you know hmm. how Jevin's doing. And and the, like the the consensus from the veterans was, yeah, coach, it's Colton, it's not even really close. Well, and that's where you were at that time that you know Jevin did have. He was the bigger recruit, yeah, he more prominent, and that was whenever you had recruiting sort of become extremely popular and like you you see this guy is a four-star guy and he's a good athlete and you post Vince Young you know might think you need that athlete at the quarterback you didn't realize that Colt McCoy actually was turning his body into the athlete because that was the biggest surprising part of that 08 season was it literally looked like a different guy and you had even heard in the off camp you know off-season reports that Colt's body transformation and that he had a big arm but you really didn't trust it because you saw the baby-faced kid back the fresh year you sort of still remember the freshman you still remember what has been basically what is disproven about a guy what his flaws were and there were flaws on the younger version of Colt and that's the thing Sam doesn't have those Sam is when it's a freshman just came in he has the body has the durability he only really big criticism going into his sophomore year was can he take care of the football and he even sort of fix that and remedy that real quick so it's just sort of perfect for the modern immediate like 
Yeah, you need production as a young player, and Sam's yeah. the first quarterback to really do it. That's that's again though why you know I, I think this fan base in particular should understand better than most that a quarterback developing a quarterback at the college level it's almost like raising like raising a baby like raising a kid like when you every step is critical and when you get to one step you got to realize okay there's another big step you need to take mm-hmm. like for a quarterback it's okay can he handle the speed of the game and usually in practice and scrimmage situations a lot of times you can figure that out okay can yeah. he can he process stuff when stuff is moving faster than it's ever moved for him before and can he do what he needs to do in the classroom and can he can he lead can you start to see some of that stuff and then Texas fans saw Garrett Gilbert's eyes they saw things weren't processing some players they process immediately sometimes they don't and then it's a totally different ball of wax when you go from the practice field to now you're on the field in a game and the other 11 guys on defense now they all want to take your head off yeah now how can you react to that and then we've seen guys we saw Tyrone Swoops do it we saw Gerard Hurd do it Guys that have success early, once opponents, once opposing defensive coordinators, once they've got film on you, once they study mm-hmm. you and say, okay, this guy, he cannot do this. He yeah. can't, he can't make this throw. So we're going to take away what he does well and make him adjust. Now can you go make that adjustment? And now you're in the process where Sam Ellinger is and Tim Beck talked about it this spring. Can you really start to look at a defense and figure out, okay, based on where the nickel is lined up or based on where the field side safety is, what throws, what plays within this package I've got are available to me, and how can I best go attack this defense? So it's really your own, like as a as a child, as a as a kid into your teen years, you're always growing, you're always maturing, you're always mm-hmm. developing. It's the same thing for a quarterback, like that maturing, that developing, it, building your brain. It, it really it never stops. You always have to be cognizant of okay, I have reached this step. But what is the next step I have to get to? And now we're seeing that's where Sam Ellinger is. Can you really become a master of this offense, a master of your domain, and really figure out how to best attack other people? Yeah, and that's exactly it. Like you had the comfort in the chaos. You could sort of tell Colt McCoy whenever he was pretty comfortable in the chaos as a youngster. That's how he got onto the field. But then to be able to form that chemistry and make the right decisions, play in, play out, because you just mentioned it right there, interception rates, like one every 58 passes, or you're back up with Bouchelle, one every 40. That's still explaining that they make mistakes though and the idea that how frequently like one mistake per game can flip an entire game and basically you're going to be defined by those few mistakes as Chris Sims is as a Texas quarterback. Chris Sims didn't throw a ton of interceptions. He just threw a couple really big interceptions at the wrong time in the wrong games that you weren't able to recover from and that's where you can basically do all those things you just said and then when you get to that game, if you don't perform in it you can literally still be defined in that certain way so seeing somebody like Colt is like the perfect example of that development and yeah. then now you're seeing an expedited version with Ellinger but still like Colt was, didn't even get his championship which is crazy like you look back at these guys like how good you have to be to be the elite and the best and there I mean I guess you could say USC was sort of a Bama at that time nobody thought it could be beaten but there's always that one big dragon you gotta slay at the end of it and if you can get there, that's just the one thing that takes fans are so happy because you sort of didn't think you were going to get there that quick with the Georgia game, and then that yeah. happens that way. And then, you know, you talk about Chris Sims. It's just like trying to put the analogy together. Chris Sims is like Sam, Sam's club. Yep. Man, those interceptions, brother, those turnovers, they come in bulk. Yes. You know, it's like one, one-stop shot. Well, and they, like, against uh, in the biggest day of your life. Yeah, you'll be clean, and then boom, you get like a four or five turnover game. Mm-hmm. Then, like you said, the Oklahoma game or the Big 12 championship game when you can least uh, least afford it. And then, man, it just it, – it should just this this decade, Matt, really should make Texas fans appreciate when you do yes. get back to that level of maybe winning a Big Twelve title or being in the playoff. Like you think about Chris Sims' career, like two thousand one, really two thousand one to two thousand two, Texas should have won a Big Twelve title in one of those two. Years. Yes. And I don't know, depending on how the BCS would have worked out, blah, blah. Well, we know in 2001, if they beat Colorado, they go play Miami for the national Exactly. And then same thing with 08 and 09. You probably should have won one national title, one of those, and you didn't. At least you played for one. And you really, let's be honest, you should have played for two. Colt exactly. should have played for two. And, Got and screwed. I mean, 
It changed the system. I know I know Vance Bedford has disagreed when he was here and he got asked about it, but I would take that 08 Texas team over Florida in a head-to-head. Oh, yeah, I would. I mean, I've argued I maybe would take the 08 team over the 05 Texas team, like just because of how Ooh. well they performed. Like me and Wright have just spoke about the team maximizing. It was like that 08 team seemed to be maximizing and could beat anybody. It's almost like where you're at right now with the modern Big 12. Like, okay, well, you can be this good, but this offense can't be stopped and they're going to score every time. So now how are you going to beat a team that scores every time? It's what Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma is doing, and it's that's just where that argument. It would have been fun to see who had the ball last. Yeah, and it would. It's it's one of those deals like Vince Young and Kyler Murray are the two guys that I've seen. You know, and, and the NFL high quarterbacks school. are different, but they're the two guys that through high school and college. When and I didn't see Vince Young in person. I've only seen film like a lot of other people have, but their college careers are very similar. Man, until those, that clock hits zeros, if they still got the ball and a chance to go mm-hmm. score, they're not out of it. We that, saw that it against guy, Te- Texas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was forty-eight to twenty. Right with there, like with nine minutes, minutes left. No, yeah, that was four minutes and something seconds. They scored Gosh, three touchdowns. Yeah, and because you've got that one guy. Yeah, and Colt was that guy. But that's why I take 05, because as long as you've got look, man, if you've got ten playing quarterback, I'm yep. I'm not betting against you. You're right. All right, guys, let's hit a break right now and come back on the other side and close this thing out as we wrap up another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. For Matt Farad, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and on hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. You can get us on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. When you feel heartburn up in your throat, you'll do anything for fast relief. You might chug milk directly from the source. Okay, girl, easy. You might slurp down an entire slushie in a single breath. Oh, that didn't help. Don't try just anything. Try new Rolaids Heartburn Soothers, the only antacid that melts to leave a cooling sensation while it starts working as fast as now to relieve heartburn. Ah, oh, that's better. Soothe the burn with new Rolaids Heartburn Soothers. Use as direct. Blue Star Medicated Ointment gets five-star reviews from our loyal users for fast relief of the pain and itch of almost any skin irritation. Blue Star soothes insect bites and fungal infections. It really works on the summer rashes I get every year. I had psoriasis on my elbows. Blue Star worked wonders. Amazing stuff. Mirabet on and the itch is gone. Look for the white box with the Blue Star in the first aid section. Feel Blue Star work fast or your money back. This is a cow. A cow whose milk became everyone's favorite cheese at the craft fair. But cheese only lasts so long. The impression a small business makes needs to last much longer. That's why Vistaprint is offering 500 truly personalized business cards starting at $9.99. Choose from hundreds of fresh designs tailored to your type of company. Or upload your own. The choice is yours. The time is now. Get 500 business cards starting at $9.99 with promo code 1717. That's promo code 1717 at vistaprint.com. Vistaprint. Own the now. Credit products are issued by WebBank. Member FDIC rates and terms vary based on credit history. Amazon is not a sponsor of this promotion. Funds are deposited for delivery next business day at approved by 4.30 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Offer valid for loan products 90 days after today. Other restrictions supply. See website for details. Have you longed for a simpler life? Imagine how simple life would be if you just had one bill every month. It's that kind of simplicity Avant can help you find with a debt consolidation loan. Pay off your bills and have just one fixed rate payment. It takes just minutes to apply online. And depending on approval, you could have your money sent the next business day from $2,000 to $35,000. And because Avant is accredited by the Better Business Bureau, life is not only simpler, but in hands you can trust. Simplify your life with a debt consolidation loan through Avant. Plus, get a free $50 Amazon gift card after your first payment is made on time. To check your loan options and get this free offer, go to Avant.com and enter code 5151 when applying. Avant.com, code 5151. That's Avant.com, code